This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hello, Hearts of Oak, and welcome to another interview coming up in a moment with Brandon Stracker. He started the walkaway movement when he walked away from the Democrat Party and went to the Republican Party. And we discuss why he set that up. Many people are disillusioned, but few start a movement. And the walkaway campaign has been championed by everyone. Carrie Lake recently, Donald J. Trump, uh, supported it and promoted it. And he was on every TV station whenever he launched the campaign. So we talk about that and why he got involved in that. And then on to J6. He's been caught up in January the 6th simply for filming outside on that day. And he talks about the FBI raiding his house, like a SWAT team holding him for days in jail. And what has happened in that? And also the lack of support from the Republicans. They clamored for his support on the walk away campaign, but don't seem to be as interested in his story on J6. Lots to discuss, and we love listening to Brandon, and you'll love his website, which is one of the quirkiest websites I have come across in quite a while. Brandon Straka, it is wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Not all. Great to have you, and Brandon's links are at Brandon Straka on social media, brandonstraka.com website, and of course, he's the, the founder of the Walk Away campaign former Liberal, former Democratic Party supporter who publicly walked away 2018. We'll get into all of that. Um, and walkawaysocial.com. All the links are in the description. Please do check it out. Um, but Brad, before I go into your background, I just want to bring up your website because I, I love your website. It stands out. It's that Batman, Robin, uh, cartoon, <laughs> nostalgia. I absolutely love it. I looked down and thought, I feel so jealous. So <laughs> I just love your website. Thank you. Oh, that's very kind. I, um, yeah, we, I designed that several years ago um, and kind of meticulously worked with a graphic designer to put it all together. And it's, I'm glad to hear you say that because, um, you know, obviously the last couple of years of my life have been less than fun. Um, and so sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I look at that website now and I'm like, does that really reflect like who I am and how I feel and, you know, whatever, but it's, you know, ultimately I'm glad to hear that somebody else loves the way that it looks. So that's good to hear. Thank you. It just gave me a big smile. So uh, good. yes, I, I know the content is great, but just that that hit you at the beginning. So yeah. thank you for that. But Brandon, um, maybe go back uh, to maybe give a little bit of your intro to our probably 80%, 75% UK audience, 20% US audience. Um, maybe give a little intro to yourself and then on to what it meant to define yourself as a liberal and part of or follower of the Democratic Party. Sure. Yeah. So basically, I, I guess my story is um, obviously I'm an American citizen who grew up in the Midwest in a small town in a state called Nebraska. I, I don't know how familiar uh, people in um, the UK are with our states, but it's you know very um, kind of agriculture driven state, lots of corn and cows and, and things like that. And that's where I grew up. 
Um, I'm a gay guy who knew early on in life that I was gay. So to me, it was kind of important uh, that I wanted to get out of a very kind of rural uh, environment. And I always, well, and you know, I don't know if it's to what degree it's because I'm gay or not, but I'm also, I think in my blood, just sort of a city person. So always wanted to move to New York city or somewhere kind of very fast paced and exciting. So after I graduated from high school, I moved to New York city and, um, you know, I was a liberal my entire life. A lot of that was very influenced, I think, by the fact that I was gay growing up at a time when um, gay uh, rights and gay cultural issues were very much wedge issues in politics and culture. And uh, so I naturally found myself a part of the Democratic Party and uh, the ideology of liberalism. And all of my friends were liberals. Um, I moved to New York City because I wanted to pursue an artist's life, really. I mean, I, I act and I sing and I consider myself a creative person. And so I wanted to kind of just go and live that kind of life at that kind of pace and sort of find my way. And so I adhered and, and I, I was very much devoted to the Democrat Party my entire adult life up until the year 2017, which would have been, um, you know, immediately after the 2016 election uh, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I voted for Hillary in 2016. I had just come off of voting for Barack Obama twice uh, in 2008 uh, and 2012. And um, I was convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to win because that's what the media kept telling us was going to happen. I mean, they kept saying that Donald Trump was you know, dangerous and deranged and, and his followers were dangerous and deranged. But they also kind of kept saying, but don't really you know, worry about it too much because his he's got no chance of winning. She's going to win in a landslide. It's going to be the most insane upset, you know, um, uh, landslide victory in, in history. And actually on election day in 2016, they gave her like a 97 to 99 percent chance of winning. Uh, I remember reading polls that day that said he had a 3% or less chance of, of winning. Obviously, that's not how the election turned out. And so when he got elected in November of 2016, um, I was shattered and devastated and confused. And I was angry and I was scared uh, because, again, the media that I trusted kept saying that this was a rise in bigotry and white supremacy and homophobia and is uh, 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 xenophobia and all of these different things. And so I spent about two weeks after the 2016 election paralyzed with fear and anger and resentment. And I mean, to the point of almost feeling somewhat dysfunctional because, you know, the media had really brainwashed everybody on the left to believe that anybody who supported Donald Trump was uh, a, a horrible person who wanted to do harm to minorities and take people's rights away and roll back, you know, our progress and all of these different things. So, you know, e even living in New York City, as I did, I spent, um, you know, weeks after the 2016 election walking down the street or you know, being on the subway and kind of just looking around and being like, did you vote for him? Did you vote for him? Did you vote for him? You know, just one, cause so, obviously people did. And so I was just wondering, well, where, who are all these covert bigots that live amongst us? 
and um, and how much danger am I actually in? And so after a few weeks of going through this kind of paralyzing fear and anxiety and all these things, I thought to myself, this is going to be a very long and very miserable four years if I don't try to get some sort of understanding about what happened. And so initially, I just kind of went on this journey to understand two things. How did the media get it so wrong? And two, why would anybody vote for Donald Trump? And that started this journey. Um, and I, I've been talking for a while, so we I'll, I'll stop. But um, that's what began the journey of exploration to try to understand how this happened and how the media got it so wrong. And then there were, you know, more specific moments that ultimately led to the switch in me. Yeah, I've, I've watched your, your videos you put out and you talk about friends sending you video clips and showing yeah. what the media tried to cover up. But, but I guess probably from me being someone on the right, I would have looked at your videos and enjoyed them. The ones of you crying and mocked them. <laughs> and I think those of us on the right tend to mock those on the left instead of winning them over. Uh, but so it's a, that's why I love the whole walk away campaign because you've tried to win people over. Um, so uh, tell us how you went from, from the, all the way on the Democrat side to actually realizing that Trump wasn't really as, as bad as what he was made out to actually beginning to pull people over because you could have just walked away from the Democrat yeah. party and that was it. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay. So, so while I was kind of on this exploratory journey, um, there was this moment that happened that was completely transformative. And that was in January of 2017 uh, would have been right around the time he was about to take office. I had posted on uh, Facebook that essentially that I would never be able to understand how anyone could vote for a man who was capable of mocking a reporter's disability in front of a cheering crowd, you know, and you know, what the hell is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with all of you that voted for him? You know, what happened to the heart and soul of people in middle America or on the conservative side of the aisle? And that's when <clears throat> A woman named Diane, uh, who used to babysit me when I was a kid, reached out to me privately. She sent me a link to a YouTube video that was entitled Debunking that Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter. And um, she sent me this video that, you know, when I first saw the title of the video, I was kind of outraged and just sort of like, oh, God, this is going to be more right wing propaganda and brainwashing. And, you know, and then I got kind of excited to watch it. So, because I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this so I can tell her how stupid she is for falling for it. And so I clicked play. And what I saw was uh, a compilation of footage showing Donald Trump numerous times throughout the years, even back before he ran for president, doing that same voice and that same gesture that he did at his rally that day when he was accused of mocking a reporter's disability. But the commonality in every instance was that he was imitating somebody or making fun of somebody who was caught in a lie, somebody who was flustered and somebody who was flailing because they had been caught being doing something shady or being dishonest. And so it showed very conclusively and compellingly that Donald Trump did not mock that reporter's disability. What he was making fun of was the fact that that reporter who happened to be disabled had been caught in a lie. And so it really opened my eyes for the first time and a light went on sort of going, wait a minute. First of all, I, he, 
I obviously didn't really make fun of that reporter's disability. But second of all, if he didn't do that, why are outlets like CNN and MSNBC and others trying to make me believe that he did? And so that's when this journey that I was going on went into overdrive because I was like, well, how often is this happening? You know, because they very effectively manipulated my emotions and my outrage and my anger to make me believe something happened that didn't happen. And obviously with an intent to elicit some sort of reaction from me uh, that was very disturbing. So how often is this happening and why? And so for the next several months, I basically w did a deep dive trying to research how often the media is lying and manipulating and what the end game is and, and you know, how often this is happening. And what I ultimately discovered is that it's constant. It's relentless. It's happening all the time. And they're putting a particular focus on, you know, if you're black or brown or LGBT or a minority of some kind, uh, they're manipulating everybody. But if you're a minority, they're specifically targeting you and manipulating and exploiting your fear, uh, your feeling of disenfranchisement, your feeling that you don't have uh, the same opportunities or the same chance in this country as other people do. And they're exploiting all of that. And they're doubling down and making you, they're never letting you forget that that feeling inside of you, they're reinforcing it and making you believe that it's true. And then they're also telling you, and the only thing that you can do about this feeling that you have is support the Democratic Party, is be a part of the ideology of the political left, because these are the only people that care about you. This is These are the only people that um, are looking out for your best interests, are fighting on your behalf. And the Republicans hate you. The Republican Party is out to get you. They want to take your rights away. They want to suppress you. They want to drive you out of the country. They want to cease uh, your existence. And uh, when I discovered that, I became really, really outraged, really outraged as a gay man, particularly. And so um, I made the decision to walk away from the Democratic Party and the left wing media that I had been trusting. I felt hugely betrayed and outraged. And then I... It was a while later. I didn't walk away from the Democratic Party and instantly become a Republican or a Trump supporter. That actually took the better part of six to eight or nine months of continued research and talking to people and watching videos and reading and understanding and researching. But ultimately, by the end of 2017, I did end up becoming a Trump supporter. Um, I did end up registering as a Republican. And then the next year, 2018, that's what, over the course of the you know that year and into 2018. I mean, I lost like 90% of my friends, maybe more. I had people turning on me who had known me my entire life, um, and not just turning on me, you know, creating vicious rumors that I was uh, that I joined a cult, that I was brainwashed, that I, you know, I'm sober. I quit uh, drugs and alcohol eight and a half years ago. At that time, I guess four years. Um, and people were saying that I had relapsed, that I was drinking, that I was doing drugs, that I, I mean, all this different stuff. And I got so fed up with it, it, which was really, I mean, like bullying and attacking and anything that they could do to pressure me to silence me. Uh, because at that point, I mean, I was a, an unknown person. I was just a regular guy living in New York city who was having this experience, but I was being attacked by my own friends and my own colleagues and family members. And so I just, I got really angry and fed up. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to sit down and write down 
all of the reasons why I'm walking away from liberalism in the Democratic Party. And uh, I'm going to shoot a video, put it out on my social media, and then anybody who wants to walk out of my life can do it once and for all. And whoever's left, I guess I'll know those are my real friends and people I can count on. So I, sh I wrote the script and I shot the video and I put it together and I showed it to some of my friends and they were like, this is amazing. Uh, this, this is bigger than just putting it on your Facebook page or, you know, whatever for your friends to see there, there's gotta be a lot of people in this country and maybe the whole world who are feeling the same way you're feeling bullied, pushed away, ready to leave the political left, pushed away from the Democrat party, the ideology of liberalism, but they're also being, you know, bullied and basically treated the way people would treat somebody who's leaving a cult you know, and all of these sort of bully tactics to get them to not leave. And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here to bring people together. And so I created a Facebook group called hashtag walkaway campaign. And I put the video out and I just said, look, if you're feeling the same way I'm feeling, please join this group um, and share your own story. And it just exploded. I mean, the video went out and it got millions and millions of views. Uh, people started joining hashtag walkaway campaign by the tens of thousands. And thousands of videos and written testimonials coming in of people telling their stories why they're walking away. And then by the end of 2020, which was two and a half years after I started Walk Away, it had grown to 511,000 people who had joined. And we had tens of thousands of videos. And then on January 8th of 2021, my team and I woke up and Facebook had taken everything. They, they banned the group. They banned our personal accounts. They all the content was gone. The group was gone. The membership was gone. Everything was gone like that. Facebook just flipped the switch and took it all away. Well, let me, let me ask you before we get on the end off in J6, but um, I mean, that's a hell of a journey coming on. How does it feel for you personally, someone who's a private individual supporting the Democrat Party privately to now being a public figure on the right, championed by Trump. I mean, um, um, Carrie Lake, who we're having all in a week, uh, for her to call you out and say how much she loves what you're doing. Um, th that must kind of be that that move from one side to the other, but from private to public, uh, you must sit and think at times, this is just crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll tell you something. So, okay, let, let's go back and kind of like explore that a little bit. So I released this video, right? I did that on May 26th of 2018. Within about a week, I started getting contacted by like little uh, uh, podcasts and little like AM radio stations, local stations, things like that. And I was so excited, so excited. I was just like, oh my God, somebody wants to talk to me. Like someone cares what I think about anything. Like, that's cool. So I said yes to everything. And I mean, to a certain degree, I still do because I just, I think, first of all, I think it's important to always stay humble. And second of all, I think it's important to spread the message wherever, whenever you can. So, um, you know, every, like I was getting calls from little radio stations and little podcasts and stuff. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then over the course of the next six weeks, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I started getting, um, uh, you know, national radio interviews and uh, some bigger name podcasts and things like that. But it was six weeks after I launched Walkaway, I got contacted by the Tucker Carlson show. 
And they were like, you know, what you're doing is amazing. We'd love to have you come on and talk about walk away. And I was like, now I had never done a television interview in my entire life. I had never been on television. So my first experience going on television was on the number one cable television news show in the entire country. That was wow. my entree into the world of, of going on television. So Tucker had me on that night. And then the next night I was asked to come on the Laura Ingram show. And then the day after that, I, I was asked to come on the Charles Payne show on Fox. And then the day after that, I was asked to come on Fox and Friends. And then the day after that, I was asked to come on Judge Janine's Saturday night show on Fox. So I did Fox every single night that week. And then, and then walk away was just everywhere. It was just like on everybody's mind, on everybody's lips. And everybody was making walkaway videos and they were getting like hundreds of thousands to millions of views. And then, and then, yes, I was just kind of getting asked to go everywhere and, and do all this stuff. But here's the thing. Definitely. There were like little private moments where I would go, Oh my God, this is crazy. You know, this is crazy, but it meant so much to me and it still does. It's it means as much to me today as it did five years ago when things were going great. And, you know, things are last couple of years have been very, very difficult, but it means as much to me today as it did five years ago. Um, I didn't spend much time uh, at all thinking about like, oh, my God, this is amazing or what I did is amazing or this is crazy. My I mean, once I felt like I had been given a gift and an opportunity to, you know, I wanted to create a, a community and a movement that would support people to walk away from the Democratic Party. To me, it felt like a responsibility. So I didn't spend a lot of time being like, oh, my God, you know, like, uh, isn't it amazing that I'm on TV all the time? I was just like, we just got to keep it like, how do we keep it growing? How do we keep it moving? What's the next right step? What's the next right thing to do? What's the, you know, and that's part of the reason why it's really you know, I don't even think about this either, but like it, if I sat around and thought about how tragic it is that Facebook took the group away and took the community away because honest to God of all people in the entire country or the world, I probably got to enjoy it less than anybody because I didn't, I didn't have time to watch walkaway videos or read the posts in the community or, you know, I brought on a ton of volunteer um, moderators and admins and they were moderating all the posts and moderating the group and keeping everything going. I was out speaking in colleges and doing media interviews and doing public appearances and traveling the country, talking about walkaway, 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 doing the walkaway events, town halls, debates. Um, I hardly got to even look at or enjoy the thing that I had created. And, and my thought was, let's just get through the 2020 election, you know, cause this is like a freight train that's just going and going and going. And after we get through the 2020 election, things are going to calm down a little bit. And then I'm going to take like a month, just like, I'm just going to sit there and just watch walkaway videos and, and just like d deep dive into the group and just enjoy it. And they took it away before I got a chance to do that. Um, 
I'd love to ask you more, but I won't. I want to end off on J6 because yeah. your your story going from one side to the other, uh, you couldn't have gone further over to be caught up in what has happened. And I saw a video of you recently, uh, once again, going for like drugs tests or something. Um, yep. uh, what well, Your story, but also possibly the, the lack of support, and I've watched this from afar, of the Republican Party, of those, and we've had Jake Lang on, who's languishing there in a, in a DC cell. Uh, we followed others, um, and it's quite unbelievable that those who are caught up in the J6 stuff don't have the hundred percent, hundred ten percent support of the Republican Party. But how how did you get caught up? And kind of tell us about that lack of support, if that's a fair enough comment. Totally fair. Um, yeah. So I was asked to be a speaker. Uh, at a permitted event on Capitol grounds on January 6th. And so I traveled to DC with the intent and understanding that I was going to speak at the Capitol after the event at the ellipse that president Trump spoke at. Uh, the event was always called March to save America. Uh, the media cannot stop lying about January 6th. So the media wants you to think it was this event called Stop the Steal and that there was never like a march or that there was never a plan to go to the Capitol that, you know, like Trump told everyone to you know storm the Capitol. Not at all. I mean, everyone knew that we were going to sit there and watch the president speak, that we were all going to march to the Capitol and that there was another event at the Capitol. Everyone always knew that. Um, I don't know why people decided to start breaking windows and going inside the Capitol. That started while all the rest of us were listening to President Trump speak. He didn't know it was happening. We didn't know it was happening. No one had any clue. So when he got done speaking and said, let's go to the Capitol, that was always the plan. So I traveled over to the Capitol to do my speaking engagement. And as I was arriving, I started getting text messages from friends and colleagues, people saying, we're, you know, we're hearing on the news that people are going inside the building. And I thought that sounds unusual. So I started shooting a video and I walked up on the east side of the Capitol. That's the that's the side I was coming in from. Now, it was the opposite side, the west side, where people were breaking barriers and fighting with police officers and breaking windows and all that craziness and commotion, uh, which I still didn't know about, was happening on the west side. I was coming in from the east side. So when I arrived, there were zero police officers on the east side grounds. Zero. None. Huge crowd. Thousands of people all over the grounds and thousands of people up on the steps on of the Capitol. Now, they weren't trying to get inside the Capitol. They weren't like, you know, they were all facing away from the Capitol, holding signs, singing songs, things like that. But when I got to the crowd of people on the steps, there was a man standing at the top, motioning down and shouting, They've opened the doors. They're letting us in. We're going inside. We're going inside. So I walked up to the top of the stairs. And when I got there, there were two large doors on the east side of the Capitol that were wide open. And there was a crowd of hundreds of people. And they were some of them were trying to push their way in. And the rest of them were just kind of shooting a video like I was doing. So I shot a video for eight minutes. And then a man came outside of the Capitol and got on a bullhorn and said, they've cleared Congress. Everyone left the building. Move out, move out. So I immediately at that point turned around and left. I never went inside the Capitol on January 6th. I didn't commit any violence, any vandalism, any theft, any destruction. And I left. And then I uploaded the video that I had just shot to Twitter. And um, 
And then two and a half weeks later, an FBI, uh, a team of FBI agents in tactical gear stormed my apartment, got me out of bed, put me in handcuffs, uh, started stripping my apartment of my phones, my computers, my hard drives, my thumb drives, camera equipment, took me to jail. I spent several days in jail. And when I got out, I learned that I was being charged with multiple felonies and a misdemeanor. Um, and then, uh, and while I was in jail, the news had the same media that I walked away from, uh, two and a half years before that, um, had written is international news that the founder of the walkway movement had stormed the Capitol on January 6th and was encouraging violence and encouraging people to attack police officers, you know, and, and encouraging a civil war. I, it was so insane. It was so insane. And uh, basically this, this, I mean, it was just, it was nuts. I, I ended up uh, within a week or two after getting out of jail, I got permanently banned by PayPal, Venmo, Stripe, Patreon, all my email services, my donor portals, we lost our Facebook group. I mean, it was it was just a mass annihilation of my life. And they wouldn't even treat you like a person. I mean, when you would reach out and be like, why did you cancel my PayPal account? Why did you cancel whatever? The only response you would get was, um, we our investigation showed that you have engaged in political violence and this uh this decision is permanent it cannot be appealed don't come back uh, i even had one company tell me if you come back to us we're going to you'll be hearing from our lawyers like don't even try to respond to this or you'll be you know potentially involved in a legal situation and so, so there was no conversation there was no reasoning with people uh i got put on a tsa terrorism watch list so when i tried to get on airplanes um, I have a designation, what they call SSSS, where they, you know, put you through hours of screening with like nine TSA agents who like, it's just insane what they put you through. And then when you get through it, they follow you around the airport. Sometimes they have dogs. Uh, it's nuts. But in the end, after a year, I ended up taking a plea deal, pleading guilty to a misdemeanor. Um, and on that misdemeanor, I ended up uh, getting jail time three months of house arrest, three years of federal probation, uh, community service, maximum fine, $5,000. Um, and then I'm also now being sued by Capitol Police officers who I never met, I never saw, I never encountered on January 6th, but they're being funded by a Soros-funded nonprofit law, law firm and they're suing me and Donald Trump and a number of other people uh, uh, alleging uh, aiding and abetting assault and battery and all of these. I mean, it, it, it's it's indescribable what is happening in Washington, D.C. and the ways in which these institutions are weaponized to try to destroy anybody that they possibly can who is uh, somehow got involved in the, you know, the January 6th narrative. And I'm of particular interest to them because I, I, I am the founder of the walkaway movement. I'm trying to encourage people to leave the political left. And um, yeah, and as I've gone through all of this, which, by the way, has driven at least five people to suicide, five other J6ers who, have, at, at minimum, that's just who we know of. There are others we may not even know. But the way that people have been brutalized by these institutions and by the left-wing media 
has driven numerous people to kill themselves. Uh, I have I didn't make that decision, although it did cross my mind several times. Um, and yeah, I, I barely a word of support from anybody in the conservative movement, whether it's conservative influencers, uh, media. I just got done telling you in this interview the support that I had from the biggest cable news institutions when I created the walkaway campaign. But suddenly when I got arrested because of January 6th, it's like I was dead. I was a ghost. I didn't exist anymore. No one wants to talk to me. Um, and members of Congress, uh, the former president, I mean, it's just nothing. Silence, total silence. And um, so anybody who's been ensnared into this J6 trap has had to endure all of this on their own with no help and no support. And as I said, I mean, it's been so devastating to people that a number of people have even chosen to take their own lives because of it. Wow. Um, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. I mean, two huge subjects, walking away uh, from the left and J6, I know is ongoing, uh, is still a hugely hot topic. So thanks for coming on and sharing yeah. what is happening. I know people can follow that on, on your social media and on the coolest website I've seen for a while. So they can see all of that there. So thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. And if I could just quickly tell people too, because there was so much to unpack, we couldn't get into all of it. Um, Facebook did take our group away, but one of the ways in which my team and I are fighting back is by launching our own social platform. So we are rebuilding the walkaway movement one person at a time with our own social media app called walkaway social. And this people can load this by going to the Google play store or the Apple app store. It's called walkaway social. Right now, it's for American users only. I am looking to expand that to make it worldwide. Uh, but if anybody's watching who is in the United States of America and, and keep checking back as we expand to global users, uh, go to your app store, load Walkaway Social, join our community and share your story. Whether you walked away from the political left or you support those who do, we want to hear from all of you. Yep, that's it right there. So uh, people can go to walkawaysocial.com and the, there's links there to load the apps. Get on there, watch the videos, share them on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere that you are, and upload your own story and, and support this movement as we fight our way back, please. Okay, it's there. Uh, make use of it. Everyone watching and listening, all the links will be in the description. Brandon, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.